In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. My dear faithful, in today's gospel, our Lord is really speaking to us about the virtue of prudence. One of the cardinal virtues and the most important of the cardinal or the moral virtues. Prudence is a virtue of our mind by which we make a judgment, a proper judgment about what we should do. It's our decision-making process and it's the right decision-making process. One who is prudent knows how to make the right decisions about his behavior, about his activity. Some people obviously are good at this, and some people are not very good at this, making good decisions about what they should do in their lives. And the difference between someone who's able to make good decisions and someone who makes bad decisions is the criteria which they use in order to make their decisions. What is their sifting process by which they determine that activity X is a good activity and activity Y is not a good activity? Consider the criteria that different people might use in the decision-making process, different types of people, the so-called prudence of different types of people. You might have someone who's a sensualist, and whenever he is deciding whether to do something or not, he asks himself, will this thing give me pleasure, or will it not give me pleasure? Is this thing easy to do, or is it difficult to do? Will this thing make me comfortable, or will this thing make me uncomfortable? And he makes his decision to do it or not to do it purely on the basis of that criterion. Is it going to give me pleasure or is it not going to give me pleasure? If it's going to give me pleasure, then I do it. If it's not going to give me pleasure, then I will not do it. So on, uh, the same thing can be applied to other people who reduce all their decision-making processes to one decision. For instance, the miser will reduce all decisions to the criterion of loss or gain of money. Will this cause me to lose money or will this cause me to gain money? What effect will this have on my bank account? If money is gained or conserved in a certain activity, then the activity should be done. If money is lost in this activity, then it should not be done. There's also the power lover. Someone who considers all activities in terms of whether they will give him more power or less power. Will this activity give me more power over somebody else? Will it give me more control over others? Or will I lose control? Will I have to surrender control over others? There's a lover of fame. Will this activity make me grow in the eyes of others? Will make my uh, reputation become greater in the eyes of others? Or will it make me lose face? if I do this activity. If I lose face in doing this activity, then I will not do it. If I gain face, if I look better in the eyes of people, then I will do it. All of these types of prudence are called worldly prudence. These types of people um, are not, do not have a prudence that is virtuous, they have a prudence that is vicious. Their prudence is a vice in them. Their decision-making process leads them habitually to make the wrong decisions, to make decisions that cause them to commit sins. The virtuous man, 
the one who has the virtue of prudence and not the vice of prudence, is able to use the right criterion in all of his judgments. He knows that he's not to judge his activities on the basis of whether they will give him pleasure, whether they will make him money, whether they will give him fame, reputation, power, or any of these particular goals, these self-serving goals. The man who has the virtue of prudence judges activities in terms of whether the activity is good or whether the activity is bad. In other words, does this activity lead me closer to my goal, what I'm made for? Does it lead me closer to heaven or does it lead me away from heaven? This is, we may say, a universal criterion. It's not a particular criterion. You see that the problem with people with worldly prudence is they're reducing the purpose of their life to making money, having a good time, pursuing a, a power trip, having a good reputation, having fame, glory, or whatever. They're saying that my life, the purpose of my life is to do these things. When in fact, that is not the purpose of their life. Their purpose of their life is to get to heaven. It is to know, love, and serve God. So the person who has the virtue of prudence will make all decisions in terms of whether or not their, their activity will serve God, will be good, universally good, good in every respect. So the universal good is the good of God. It's not some selfish particular good. The universal good is the good to, that corresponds to what we are meant to achieve as a human being, not what we are meant to achieve in this or that aspect of our lives. And so the prudent person evaluates every activity according to that criterion. That is the right criterion, the only true criterion. In today's gospel, our Lord Jesus Christ, who we may say is prudence itself, who never made any wrong decisions. All the decisions he made as to what he should do were perfectly conformed to the will of the Father. He teaches us the criterion that we are to use in a particular situation so that we might determine whether it will lead towards God or lead away from God. What is this particular situation? It's, it's a, a situation that we're not in at every moment of our life, but we are in, in in some occasions. The situation is this. You've got someone who's preaching to you, like what I'm doing right now. I'm preaching to you. You've got a preacher, and he's speaking, and he's saying, I'm giving to you the message of God. And you're scratching your head, and you're saying, well, maybe, maybe he is, maybe he's not. And our Lord says, how do you know? How do you know whether he's given you the message of God or not? That's the particular situation. This, in, in, the, in the New Testament, they, they called such people prophets. That was the language of that time. Someone is a prophet. Someone who's a prophet is someone who claims to speak in the voice of God. As I would claim right now as a Catholic priest. I have this mission. This church has given me the mission to stand up. And, and teach to you the, the, the word of God, to explain to you the word of God. Today, as I say, we would not call him a prophet, we would call him a preacher. 
And there's lots and lots of preachers. There's preachers everywhere out there. The technology that exists today has multiplied preachers. You got preachers on the radio, you got preachers on television, you got preachers on the internet. A lot of preachers have their YouTube channel. And you ask yourself, is this a good preacher or is this a bad preacher? Should I follow this preacher or not? And if you want to, if you say I should follow this preacher, then you go and you take your mouse and you click on the follow button. You know, and he's got a new follower. You're a new follower. So even, even today they use this language of following somebody. So how are we to decide whether we should listen to a preacher and follow him or we should reject what he says and stop listening to him? What criteria should we use to evaluate preachers? This question is obviously extremely important for our salvation. We can't make our own way to heaven. We can't invent religion. We've got to listen. We've got to be led towards God. We can't do it ourselves. That's not the way God works. God works by having us listen to authorized representatives of God. So, if we embrace the wrong message, if we, if we attach ourselves to someone who's not really a preacher of God, who doesn't give us the, wrong, the, the right message, then we'll be on the wrong track. We'll be making decisions as to what we should do to get to heaven that are the wrong decisions. If we go online and we listen to one of these Protestant preachers, we say, wow, that moved me so much. I think he's, what he's saying is true. And we go off and we, and we follow the Protestant preacher. We'll be in big trouble. Or we listen to an imam. We listen to this, this Islamic preacher and we find ourselves growing in love of Allah and we follow him. We'll be in big trouble and we'll lose our soul. So this is a very, very important decision and this is perhaps why our Lord focuses on this particular situation. Why he's particularly interested in instructing us not about every situation of our life but about this particular situation of how do I know whether I should trust a preacher or not trust a preacher? Really, our Lord gives two main criteria for us to evaluate a preacher. There's one negative criterion and there's one positive criterion. The negative is what you should not do when you evaluate a preacher. What you should not do is judge according to appearances. Do not, our Lord says, do not make a superficial judgment. Don't look at what the preacher is wearing. Don't judge on the basis of how impressive his words are, how impressive a speaker he is. Even the words themselves, says our Lord. You must not go on the basis of the words themselves. He says not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, Anybody can get up and say something pious. Anybody can do that. Get up and say, you need to love God. You need to be a good person. Anybody can do that. Don't just base yourself on external appearances. You know, sometimes um, 
priests notice that, that, that they're being judged according to these superficial criteria. I mean, if, if I say Mass, and after Mass, someone comes up to me and says, Father, you say such a beautiful Mass. Then I would walk away and kind of scratch my head and say to myself, I don't think this person has the right way to judge whether a priest is a good priest or not. They thought I was really pious when I said Mass, and that's what convinced them that I'm a really good priest. But that is not a good way to determine whether I'm a great priest or not by how pious I look when I say Mass. That's just a superficial evaluation of my worth as a priest. It's insufficient to make a good judgment. So, the negative criterion is don't judge by appearances, don't judge on the basis of how a priest looks, or how pious he sounds, or how impressive his speech is. You know St. Paul, what he said about himself. He says, you know what a lousy speaker I am. You know that I was not impressive in my appearance. You know that I was not impressive in my words. Yet this was the great apostle sent by God to preach to the nations, to convert the nations. Yet he was not impressive according to the appearances. The positive criterion, what we should use to judge, not what we should not use, but what we should use is the fruits. We need to see whether the preacher produces holiness or not. If we look at the priest's congregation or the preacher's congregation, what have you, do we see the people that he preaches to you to um, manifesting a holy life? Holiness is the ultimate determinant for fruitfulness. St. Paul speaks about bad fruits in the epistle today. And the bad fruits is sinfulness. If we see people that are just very sinful, we can, we can tell that they probably do not have a very good preacher. If we see, on the other hand, people who are elevated by going to church, that, that going to church produces virtue in them, we may be sure that there is a good preacher behind that. There was someone who is holy, who is producing the fruit of holiness in those people. So, when our Lord asks us to judge on the basis of fruits, he's telling us that we must not judge quickly. A judgment that's done on the basis of appearances is done very, very quickly. You just look at what the preacher is wearing, or you look at, you listen to what he's saying, whether you're impressed or not, and then you make your final judgment. Yes, he's great, or no, he's, he's not very good at all. But to judge the fruits, it takes more time. It takes more reflection. And this is a very, very important aspect of prudence, is prudence takes time. Decision-making, proper decision-making, takes time. You must not rush decision-making. You must not jump into making a decision before you have sufficient information where you can expect you've made 
the right prudential dis discernment. So, you know, this tends to happen all the time among the Protestants. Because the Protestants often base religion solely on emotions. They judge too quickly whether their preacher is a good preacher or not. And they expect of their preacher an emotional rush. They go to the revival, their preacher gets up, he gives them a sermon to where they're just shaken to their core by emotion. And they walk away and they say, wow, what a fantastic and godly preacher. And it turns out, these televangelists, a few, few years down the road, they're convicted of, of sexual scandals or they're convicted of, of, of scams. Uh, it turns out that they've been a fraud. How many times has this happened in the history of Protestant America? You, you, you've got televangelists who are put in jail because they've been scamming people out of millions of dollars. People thought they were preaching the word of God. When in fact, they were just lining their pocketbooks that they found a very lucrative occupation. And this was sounding pious and preaching at revivals. So our Lord even speaks of prophets who work miracles, who cast out devils, who predict the future, yet are still crooks. The, according to the appearances, you would expect that these preachers would be fantastic. He's working a miracle. And yet, he's not of God. It's just appearances. It's just a charade. It's not the real thing. Don't look at the preacher, says our Lord. Look at his faithful. This is like a boy going over his girlfriend's house and observing the family. Because the boy knows he can't just determine how good the girl is by how she behaves around him. He's got to go to the house and see how the father and the mother treat the daughter, how the daughter behaves with respect to the mother and the father, how they get along as a household. That will t tell him pieces of information, very, very, very important pieces of information he can never get by just talking to the girl one-on-one. -on -one. Perhaps even more closely, it's like judging parents according to their children. If you want to know how good the parents are, you see how the children turn out. How are the children in their childhood? How are the children in their teenage years? How are the children when they become adults? Do they keep the faith? Do they not keep the faith? Are they able to hold down a job? Are they able to enter into vocation or what have you? How stable are they? Whatever happens, a lot of it must be applied to their formation in their home, to how good their parents were. And it's the same with the faithful of a priest. Say that I've just been assigned to take over a parish. I've been reassigned. You know, this happens all the time in the Society of St. Pius X. The priest gets a new assignment. He's got to go to a new parish. And he goes to meet the faithful for the first time. And then I would have the opportunity to see the fruits of the former pastor's work. Say the former pastor was there for 10, 10 years. And I go to meet the faithful. And I would say to myself, well, what have we got here? Do we have good Catholic families here? 
Are these families joyful? Or are these families bitter? Do uh, they practice the faith on a regular basis? What time do they show up for mass? Are they enthusiastic for the faith? Are they charitable? Or are they ritually unkind? Are they joyful or I come back again to this question of joy because I find it so important today. Are they joyful or are in a state of despair? Are they always talking about the, the chastisement, the end of the world? Is that all they think about? Conspiracy theories? Or are they loving their Catholic faith and finding their happiness in the practice of their Catholic faith? Are they, in other words, nourishing their lives uh, and their hopes and their joys on the basis of their Catholic faith? Are they hypersensitive about trivial details or are they willing to let things slide? Are they even able to determine what is trivial and what is not trivial? Do we have any vocations coming out of the parish? Do the children of the parish keep the faith when they grow up, as I mentioned, and so on? All of these things are so many good fruits. Ultimately, their criterion is whether there is holiness there or whether there's not. And isn't this such an important skill for us to develop, for us to actually know what holiness is and what holiness is not? So many times we pursue holiness when in fact that's not holiness. We have an idea about what holiness is and it's wrong. And we're chasing after that idea of holiness. And it's not true holiness. If we want holiness, we have to be able to practice, above all, the virtue of charity. If the faithful are joyful and charitable and balanced, then we have very good signs to, to say that a preacher is truly of God. But if the faithful are bitter, and unkind and emotional. They're not able to reflect. They're not able to make reasoned judgments about what they should do in their lives. They don't know how to consult, to ask questions. They just jump into their decisions. Then we may seriously wonder whether the preacher is of God. So my dear faithful, prudence is an absolutely necessary virtue if we want to get to heaven. This is the virtue that our Lord is trying to teach us in today's gospel. If we want to practice it, we have to do two things. First of all, you've got to pray. You've got to pray to God to ask him to help you make the right decisions. The right decisions for your family, the right decisions for yourself, the right decisions with respect to what you should do in your life in order to fulfill your goal of saving your soul. <clears throat> we ask, have to ask God habitually to enlighten our minds. Normally our minds are quite dark. They're quite unenlightened. But what we find is that if we just say to our Lord, Lord, that I may see, please help me understand what I should do in this particular situation. And we wait until we have that enlightenment. Teach me. Lord, the way to walk. Teach me the choices that I should make. This is extremely effective if we just take the time to do that. Secondly, we do have to reflect. 
we have to overcome any habits we might have of reacting too quickly to situations, of making decisions too quickly. We have to be very, very careful about our emotions. Catholics should be the most rational of people. Of all religions, Catholics are most distrustful of their emotions. And they strive the most of any people to keep their passions under control. Not to react on the basis of passion and emotion, but to wait until the passion has gone away. You do not make decisions under the influence of passion, whether it be lust or anger or envy or jealousy, fear, whatever passion it may be, you wait until the passion has decided all the, the storm is cleared away, the skies are blue, your joy is restored, your peace is restored, then you're in a proper situation to make a decision. Don't make a decision in those other times. During today's Mass, we should ask Our Lady for the grace to be prudent. She made the most important prudential decision in the history of the world at the Annunciation. And when the angel Gabriel came to her and said, you're the best woman ever, you're going to be the mother of God. She didn't say, wow, this is so wonderful. You know, I think I deserve this. This is fantastic. I'm going to be the mother of God. She did not react on the basis of emotion. She did a prudential discernment. Wait a second. How do I know that this is a preacher having a message of God? How do I know that he's of God or he's not of God? I need to figure this out. So Our Lady asked the question, how will this be since I do not know men? She made her prudential discernment, and then when we, she was assured that this message was of God, she was able to go ahead and say, be it done unto me according to thy word. If we make all of our decisions in union with Our Lady, chances are we will make them prudently. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.